0: Hello and welcome to Upstage the Podcast, your weekly dose of theatre news and reviews. I'm Rachel. And I'm Abby. This week we've got a review of Headless The Musical at The Other Palace. Technically it's not a review because Heather's The Musical aren't inviting reviews for the current production, so we'll merely be commenting on our thoughts on what we saw on Tuesday night. Yeah. We've also got Athlete News, as usual, and then we're starting the 1960s in our Musical decade series. This is another very big decade, so we're going to have to split this into multiple parts because there's so much to talk about. But first, the news! The first piece of news is that SpongeBob SquarePants the musical is
1: closing on Broadway in September, so only a couple months left for everyone to fly over
0: to America. And go see that. See, you mock, but it's meant to be really good. Like when before it opened, I think we were both like, "Why the fuck is this even happening?" Yeah, but legit reviewers have enjoyed. People have enjoyed it. Wesley Taylor's in it. That's a I fact. do enjoy
1: Wesley Taylor. You do, and I... other people are in it too, who seem. I mean, that Sponge, little Ethan Slater, <laughs> yeah. seems like a real great Sponge.
0: And it did get a lot of Tony nominations.
1: It did. They're saying that it's closing because theatre's being renovated and obviously yeah. I believe that the theatre is being renovated but it does seem weird that they weren't flexible on those timings I feel like I read that there it's was because they've been trying to get there.
0: the, the renovation signed off for a long long time and they don't want to wait any longer what I don't get is why they haven't found an alternative venue for Spongebob if it's still maybe selling it well like, maybe, maybe it wasn't selling well maybe it's now. not maybe they're just using it as an excuse maybe it just wasn't selling well
1: yeah I did think it was doing quite well though and people are very sad on Twitter
0: they are yeah very sad the next piece of news is that more casting has been announced for the gender-swapped production of Company at the Gielgud later this year. So, Jonathan Bailey and Alex Gomond, would you say French Gomond? Sure, Gomond. Are going to be playing a same-sex couple. So Jonathan will be playing Jamie, who was originally written as the female character Amy, and Alex Gomond is going to play his fiance Paul very exciting we well we've between us seen both of these people in things before mm-hmm. i'm very excited about alex gomont because i saw him in legally blonde as Emmett, and he was great we also saw jonathan bailey in the last five years at the saint james theater opposite samantha barks and he wasn't as good as her but he wasn't bad nice he is just fine he is accomplished
1: yeah I think it's quite exciting every bit of casting news with this because because they're assembling such an amazing it's such cast. an incredible cast, and also it's just like you there's because they're just like gender swapping certain roles you just don't know what and I don't know this show that well I imagine like if I knew the show really well, it'd be even more exciting, but it's still really fun to see what they're doing with it and I think it's just really exciting that sometimes working on it and you know involved in this new new look company so Exciting! Very exciting. We really
0: need to get tickets,
1: Abby. We really need to book
0: those tickets. We do.
1: Next bit of news is that podcast favourite Jeremy Jordan is returning to the Broadway. He is joining Kerry Washington and Stephen Pasquale in American Son, which is a straight play. It's not a musical. So this is Jeremy Jordan's first role in a non-musical play on Broadway, which is fun and exciting and I think this is a really great first project back on Broadway with a really amazing cast. So that will begin on October 6th at the Booth Theatre. does mean he's had to move his shows in London um, to beginning of September but that is a good reason to move it.
0: The next piece of news is that on top of the stage adaptations of All About Eve starring Gillian Anderson and Lily James and the stage adaptation of A Little Life, the novel by Hanya Yanagihara, Ivo van Hove is also going to be directing and producing a Broadway revival of West Side Story, which is very, very
1: exciting. Don't get too excited because it is not coming to Broadway until December
0: 2019. It's a long... It's not even this December. No. Even that that would be quite a long way away. It's next December. It's 18 months away. Also worth noting, which we didn't mention last week when we talked about West Side Story, Steven Spielberg is in the middle of producing a remake of the An 1987 unnecessary film. remake. So watch out for that on screens, probably before this Broadway adaptation.
1: I mean, very possibly. Very possibly. I know they're auditioning.
0: Maybe they've cast, who knows.
1: I I don't get why they're remaking the film, because I really think that... The original is Now, I was about to say the classic. original is perfect, but of course there's you know, not. loads of white people playing people of colour... But it just doesn't need to be remade. Maybe when the film comes out, I'll be blown away.
0: But I would I'm like just... it to just be like a shot for shot remake, but without the racism problems and yeah. just in like just high, actually keep... in higher quality. Yeah. But then I think it loses a bit of its sort of like charm. Yeah. So I don't know. We shall see.
1: I'll try not to be negative, but it's just not in my nature. <laughs> On the topic of upcoming productions and films and stuff. The new production of on Rouge have released a set photo and a character photo of Karen Levo in her sateen Ooh. costume.
0: Which is more velvet than sateen. <laughs> 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 oh, hilarious. Oh, so That's funny. so good.
1: Um, oh, I've been planning that for days. <laughs> we have retweeted the set picture. Because I just think it's really hard to describe just how OTT the set is. It's, it's opulent, is it the is word. very opulent. It's
0: very... Um, it's very, Bas-Lerman. very there. It's very Baz It's very there. It's very, very that. The last piece of news is quite exciting if you live in London. So, Joe Allen, which is a brunch place and regular restaurant <laughs> at times <laughs> we just, are not brunch. We just only ever
1: can afford we to go only, there for
0: brunch. We only eat brunch. Yeah. Um... Is starting a series of musical brunches with casts from West End shows. So the first one of these is on July the twenty ninth, with some of the stars of *Bat Out of Hell* the musical. From what we can tell, they're not going to necessarily just sing songs from the show. It's going to be much more wide ranging than that, but interesting and quite exciting. Yeah, I think it's a fun mm-hmm. initiative. It's a fun initiative. We won't be at the first one, but we might. We probably will go to one eventually. Yeah, I Perhaps would right like at some to. I do my bit. Pop in. So that is this week's news. We have a review for you this week because we went to see Heathers. We sure did. We sure did. So you don't know Heathers is obviously based on the 1980s film of the same name with Winona Ryder and Christian Slater, but it's a bit well it's a lot less dark. I mean the same broad plot points happen, but it's And a actually a lot more... of
1: same lines from the script yeah. but just delivered in a much more jovial a fashion. A much more comic
0: over the top colourful way I would say. Yeah. The songs are actually fun and quite good. There are lots of actually really good songs, I think. I particularly enjoy Candy Store and Dead Girl Walking and 17. I I
1: love 17. I think 17 is my favourite. Seventeen is great.
0: And I also really enjoyed Meant to to Be Yours. Shine shine Light. There are some really really good songs. I enjoyed the opening number. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That
1: was fun. fun. I think... So it's got a bit of a cult following, which definitely you can feel in the room when you're there. Especially because it's such a small space. It's such a small space. And the audience just went batshit crazy after every song. Mm. But I think it's got a cult following because there are these really big anthem songs that are just so much fun to sing along to. And also I just think everything... Like teenagers, when there's teenagers, they get attached. They're like, oh my god, they feel my pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and very good cast. I was very... I don't want to say pleasantly surprised by carrie hope fletcher so i've been watching carrie hope fletcher's youtube videos for years and years but i've never seen her perform live and i think i was just not sure what to expect but she was i thought incredible her voice is insane like now i think everything she posts on youtube must just be one take and her like
0: yep nailed it Not a problem. Yeah, every time. Yeah, Her voice is incredible. Absolutely incredible. I'd also never seen her live before this, but I remember watching a video of her singing A Little Fall of Rain with Raman and Karen about Mm. six years ago now, ages ago, and just being, like, amazed by her voice. And in person, it was just as good. Her voice is incredible. I think... Veronica's sort of a tricky character to get right because she has so many different sides, and I think she maybe wasn't quite as believable or like her dark side. But like, I, I don't believe know if the that's... sort of nerdy, sort of dorky, desperate from, not desperate for attention, but like wanting to be loved side. But I think I that's believe. not
1: Carrie, I think that's the production. Or not the production, yes. the direction, and like the way the musical's written. I feel like that's it, it loses some of the darkness. And I think Jamie Moscato, who plays JD, captured that darkness with the light, the intensity of it. But he has less of the light stuff to do. Whereas I think they, the Veronica role is just kind of written in the show to be a lot lot lighter. Mm. I don't think there's all that darkness that you see. It's not. It doesn't have time to develop it in the script. I felt like as much as in the film.
0: Yeah. So that that's what. Yeah. I guess. No. I don't. I don't blame her for it. But I think yeah, the character's sort of underwritten in places. So you just don't sort of believe yeah that she ever would have gone along with like the curtain ram stuff. But like, they,
1: she, but they spin it a bit differently because she's just painted a bit as clueless.
0: Yeah, but a she's bit more hate, clueless than in the film. But which is annoying because she's not.
1: Yeah, I did not hate that though. I mean, it's stupid. One like that she believes him.
0: Yeah. But you know, she's in love. She is. I suppose she is. And she does, you know, she fights her way out of it at the end. But it just I think I yeah, again, I don't blame Carrie Fletcher for this. I just don't think Veronica is a very well thought out character in this. I think
1: it's tricky because every other character is pretty 2D. Like it's pretty much the stereotype. Like yes. you've got the stereotype like peppy cheerleader, and then you've got the bitchy blonde, and then yeah. you've got the dumb jocks. Like yeah. everyone is so stereotyped. Yeah. That they're they don't have to work that hard to nail their characters. Whereas Veronica needs to have all these different layers and I feel like she's just not given quite... Like, it maybe just needs a little bit more time on that. I do think they... The JD character... And maybe it's because for all of it being, you know, all these female leads and they put together an all-female band for the show and it's it's great, like, oh, women, yay. It is written by all men. And I do think it's interesting that I think JD actually has the most fleshed-out character and you get... The softer side of JD maybe more so than in the film I think in the film you don't get as much of the soft side of JD but they really go into that in the show yeah and I wonder if it is something to do with the fact that it's like an all-male like like, creative team that means that yeah he's I feel like
0: depth. JD was a believable character and I feel like maybe Veronica was a bit of a caricature of what like that character would be maybe I will allow I that. think that's perhaps my problem yeah um and especially because I think I mean this is not really a criticism because obviously it's a very small space and obviously it's direction as much as anything else but like Carrie Fletcher can tend to like overact certain moments and make them more comic and bigger than they need to be and in a bigger theatre it would be absolutely fine because yeah. obviously she's got a place at the very back of the room but we were like fourth row so we were very 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 close to her. And it, it felt like a lot at but, times. Yeah, it did feel like the direction to me. Because I think
1: like she yeah. was told to do a very comic reaction to something. When yes. JD was told, like, you're serious, you're dark. Like, that's the yes. his, the point of his character is to, not all the time, but most of the time, be brood. this really... Yeah, just broody character. Yeah. And then she's meant to be the comic relief in the background. Sometimes I'm like, maybe it doesn't need to be as broad a comic yes. relief. Um, but I thought those two as leads were just yeah, I think they, were, they were both excellent I they and Jodie Steele's very um, good Jodie Steele's very good it
0: was just yeah it was the set was, was good, good. considering it quite a simple set they made yeah. it work yeah the costumes were fun yeah they were good I did enjoy the costume. sound and light effects were good yes I do have a bit of a problem with some of the script parts of the script just being a bit like I'm just like that's just like really cheesy like and I know it's like technically still a work in progress and maybe they'll but like a lot of like the lines that come from the film because the way that they play them in the musical is just sort of like it's not like funny because it's dark. They're trying to make it funny because it's yeah. funny and like it's, they're
1: really dry in the film, but in yeah. the other stage, where they're like, We're saying that line from the film. Yeah, you know that line that you like, we're, <laughs> we're saying, saying it. Now. it right now. And it
0: feels like a bit a little bit too wink wink. Like yeah. So like I just wish they like they would tone bits of it down yeah having said that i would quite like to see it in the theater royal haymarket to see I how would. it moves onto a bigger stage okay. i also would i think with a bit more also because the stage is quite small and there's a lot of people on the stage at, at all times pretty much if i would like to see it like with a bit more breathing room like yeah. the choreography with a bit more breathing room probably with a couple more ensemble members just to fill it out a bit yeah i think would be fun. Yeah.
1: I will say as a show the way it's written I
0: really like that
1: quite a few characters get a solo. Oh,
0: song. Martha so, like, solo was so Martha lovely. Solo,
1: lifeboat from Heather Macnamaras. Heather McNamara, yeah. I really need to learn which Heather. It's from so yellow did... Heather. Um, that was a really nice
0: solo as well, yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I think it's it's really nice. Obviously Veronica and J.D. get the kind of big numbers, but I think every ensemble member even gets like a little line here and there. So I thought that's nice. That's just... Yes. It's nice to see And the see ensemble that.
0: were also great. Yeah. Yeah, you I would recommend. definitely like to see it at the Theatre of Market. Yeah. I would definitely see it again. It was very, very... I feel like I've been quite nitpicky, but I had a great time. It was a really fun evening. It was a great evening, and the audience were fantastic. Like, really, really enthusiastic, but then also shut up when they need to, which yeah. is good. Well done, Heathers. I'm, I'm pleased to have seen it, because I feel like I've heard so much about it
1: for ages, and I had mm-hmm. listened to the cast recording before going to see it, but just i hadn't really cared much about it yeah um but now having seen it i've listened to the cast recording
0: quite a bit over the past couple of days and it's it is thoroughly enjoyable okay on to the 1960s okay. in um musical decade series so the first show to talk about is oliver which opened in the west end in 1960. So Oliver is obviously based on Charles Dickens' novel Oliver Twist. But a little known fact is that it's actually the wrapper, the wrapping paper for Terry's Oliver Twist chocolate bar that inspired this particular adaptation, which was written by Lionel Bart, the book and the music and the lyrics, all written by Lionel Bart, which is quite an achievement, really, because good music and lyrics, good yeah, score. it um, really, really is. And it's not necessarily the type of source material that you'd think would make a good musical, because obviously it's about a small orphan child and neglect and brutal violence much like hamilton and domestic abuse less like hamilton <laughs> <laughs> all these kind of things i'm intrigued so how a chocolate bar wrapper.
1: i think because it was him. fun
0: like a more fun take on Oliver twist like yeah um i guess is why and it is fun but
1: it is also like i feel like it's such a fun show but it is also so bleak really bleak as a kid? Like, I wore this VHS out. Of have
0: never seen the VHS.
1: Have you never seen this? No. no. I have uh, kept
0: quiet throughout, but there are so many like old musicals I've, never, no, seen them, never, I've never seen. No, you've never seen them. You didn't have the Oliver and Annie VHS box set. i Annie either. I mean, Annie, take
1: or leave seen, it or I've never seen, I've never seen I watched Oliver
0: lady. so much, but then I always stopped where, when I only Bill said. Like, Sound of Music and What's her Story for the first time about three years ago. Oh my God, we have to watch Oliver
1: oh my god we're gonna have such a great time (laughs) oh my god i can't believe
0: you've never seen the
1: film i've never seen it um so some of the kind of most famous songs from oliver are consider yourself i'll do anything where is love where is love which absolute classic i hesitated mentioning because i know that my sister sarah will listen to this and um yeah let's just say she doesn't have good memories of where is love because i used to sing it all the time as a small child <laughs> and it made her really angry because i just kept going higher yeah and higher oh, yeah. and higher i and can't I imagine could not, i could not hit those notes no. but i kept singing it um as long as he needs me the food sort of glorious thing. food food glorious food <laughs> like my life anthem yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> just absolutely honestly great. every really song, great songs um, who will buy what is it? Who i don't even buy? know what that song is like because song called who will buy just wait yeah, strawberries all the stuff that had... strawberries strawberries, strawberries. strawberries
0: yeah the morning who will buy who will buy that morning <laughs> i mean some yeah some real like standard really, musical theater songs from this show yeah so the original West End production um as i said opened in 1960 it ran for over two and a half thousand performances it transferred to broadway and won some tony awards for best original score best scene design etc um some fun trivia is that obviously a lot of young
1: boys have played the roles of oliver in the artful dodger over the years including a young phil collins <laughs> back in the day bloody love phil collins i mean That's i really hope he did a little
0: music. little drum solo oh, in the middle him. of yeah. oliver i'd love that <laughs> Obviously, there was a quite recent Western revival of Oliver in 2009, which was another one of the shows that Andrew the Webber did one of his casting programs for. So the Oliver one was probably my favorite. So they cast Nancy and they the cast the Olivers. And oh my god, I still, to this day, when I'm like, I need something to cheer me up, I watch the performance that the 12 Olivers did of A Hard Knock Life. Oh! <laughs> because I love it. It's so good. It's
1: just so joyful. I could still name all of them. As soon as we're done recording, I'm gonna go and look up and see what they're doing now because they will put, they'll be adults. Oh my god,
0: they're gonna be so old.
1: That would be a gonna be so Gwion!
0: old. I saw Guyon and I saw got, Oliver. He just sang with such a Welsh accent. He's so There a- was no way he was a cock me. If a you haven't boy. seen Guyon singing bright eyes, you have to look for it on Gwion. YouTube. It's precious. He was so tiny and blonde and Welsh. Oh, he and, was so Welsh. Oh, his little accent. And I actually saw him when I saw this production of really? Oliver and he was fantastic all the way through.
1: I hope some of them are in like drama school.
0: I'm sure they are. Obviously, um, Rowan Atkinson played Fagin in this production. I actually saw Omin Jalili in the role, who was fantastic. And Jodie Prengo was the person they cast as Nancy. It was a very, very good production at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane. It was a beautiful production. It's a great theatre. And I actually saw it in a box. We got box tickets because they we were available insane. on the day. And it was great. Another show
1: that came out in 1960, but Mm -hmm. on Broadway, is Bye Bye Birdie. The original Broadway production starred some very big names, including Dick Van Dyke and Cheetah Rivera, so not a bad cast. For those who don't know the plot, it's got kind of at its core quite a a young cast. So there's a character called Conrad Birdie, who's this sort of Elvis Presley-esque rock and roll kind of crooner and basically he comes to the small town in which kim mcafee lives and runs a competition basically to receive a final kiss before he goes off on service on military service and um kim is a big fan and everyone like loses their shit over him and basically that's the beginning of the plot and then it's i feel like i'm gonna go into too much detail if i say more <laughs> and i don't know how to like wrap that up yeah so there's he's kind of there's kim's family um Conrad's manager, Kim's boyfriend, all these other people are other characters around it but that's the kind of basic plot it's the sort of thing it's it's very much uh, an America of yesteryear that Mm -hmm. does not exist anymore. There is a movie of it which I feel like I've never seen the stage show because it hasn't been on the West End since Broadway, original Broadway production kind of moved over a year later so in 1961. Um, So I've never seen it on the stage I have seen the film and it is just... Very kind of um, like sickly sweet nineteen fifties sort of show. There was a Broadway revival in two thousand and nine, starring Matt Doyle as Hugo, Kim's jealous boyfriend.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It didn't do so well. It got quite bad reviews, and it didn't last very long. So. I wonder if Bye Bye Birdie is maybe a bit too much of its time. There's not really any moral to the story or any interesting subplot. It's just quite like formulaic. And although the songs are kind of fun, like Honestly Sincere is the song that um, always in my head is like the standout song. And it's not, you know, the world's most amazing song. So I think... The music is fine, but I just... Yeah, I think it was very important at its point in history mm-hmm. and maybe... Not anymore. ...has
0: served its purpose. But still very, very popular with very popular. high school performances.
1: Yeah, I think it's there are good roles for a school show and maybe also because there's it's very not... um, there's It's not going to be controversial at all. Right. It's not like, you know, that teacher in Rise doing Spring Awakening in high school. <laughs> you are safe it is clean Mm
0: -hmm. speaking of shows that are of their time in 1961 how to succeed in business without really trying opened on broadway so this is actually based on a book which is called how to succeed in business without really trying the dastard's guide to fame and fortune which is a sort of satire of the sort of instruction manual as a whole and office politics so it takes that as its inspiration and it's based around a window cleaner in New York called J. Pierre Pontfinch, which is a fantastic name. Such I would love name. that to be my name. Um, he buys this book and he reads the book and he applies for a job at the Worldwide Wicket Company, also great, <laughs> and he finds himself working in the mailroom. He meets Rosemary, who obviously is immediately smitten with him, and he meets his arch enemy, Bud Frump. Such but good names such... in this show. Oh. Um, so fantastic and there's a lot he does a lot of scheming basically to try and get to the top of the Wide Wick company he makes friends with mr bigley who is the president and uh there's a lot of high drinks that ensue so like i said this opened on broadway in 1961 the book was written by a bunch of people it was directed by abe burrows who also co-wrote the book and the music and lyrics were by lesser and Hart. it ran for quite a while on broadway for over a thousand performances and it won seven tony awards including best musical best author for the book best leading actor in a musical best featured actor in a musical best Direction, best producer basically all the big ones yeah it's got some good songs i like i believe in you yeah i think it's got some really fun
1: songs i love brotherhood of man i think that's my favorite song i like brotherhood
0: of man i like rosemary yeah sweet do you know what i don't like happy to keep his dinner warm even though it's catchy as fuck
1: it is it just really i mean look probably that is the song that is most of its time yes it is very that it's not uh it is I, I think we've said before on this podcast that it is not a feminist masterpiece but i think the reason this like kind of plays better to an audience now maybe than bye bye birdie is because it has a lot it laughs at itself a lot more it does yes so it laughs at itself maybe not as much with the like how sexist it is but you could maybe direct it to kind of laugh at itself with yes. that Um, But in the kind of ridiculous bureaucracy of business, it's obviously just completely taking the piss. And actually, sadly, the world of business hasn't moved on that much. Like, yeah, we all have computers now and emails and smartphones, but Mm -hmm. the same office bullshit is the same office bullshit. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: It's true. Yeah. So we haven't seen the actual production of this, but we did see a concert version starring Jonathan Groff and Cynthia Erivo, which was... What a cast. Incredible. Incredible, which was very, very enjoyable. It really was. And it's also worth saying that the
1: Broadway revival of this, which opened in 2011, starred Daniel Radcliffe. So the cast recording of that production is Harry Potter himself as JPR Pontfinch. And you can see him performing in their Tony Awards, performance which they do a great little bit of Brotherhood of Man and that. He hasn't done any other musical theatre since then, has he?
0: I don't think he has, no. No. He's not got the biggest voice. Come so. on, Daniel. Look come back to us Daniel he could be JD and Heather's I don't think he could I don't know give him a chance it was also Dan Chris's Broadway debut which is very very it nice was. for him and also Nick Jones played the role what what trio I mean honestly iconic trio iconic trio truly I just think it's a really fun show I think it's a really fun show I think it's a fun score it's sort of like yeah. dainty and gentle and fun
1: yeah and it's a really great role for an actor j pierre pontfinch because Absolutely. you just get to have fun for you do a couple of hours Jonathan groff did just a, a great job of it when we saw him he really did it
0: was beautiful and yeah. so did cynthia erivo i mean she made rosemary so much more than rosemary yeah and this is before she was cynthia erivo was, was for even that cool. role. yeah she was too good for that role
1: but i feel blessed to have seen it <laughs> she will never be cast that low again <laughs> that is the beginning of the 60s that is we the beginning. have only reached
0: 1961 so yeah but, buckle in you know. because it's gonna be a long decade we'll get there we will get there there's just so much to talk about there really is so cool. next week we will have the next part of the 1960s for you and abby will have a review of an ideal husband for you starring the fox family the fox Family, all of them the whole gang the whole gang it will have closed by the time that podcast comes out so i'm real
1: sorry about that but i i just keep going to see things on like the final day and the final week yeah. But the Oscar Wilde season continues, so... It, it lives on. Yeah. Ball Bulletin. Done his first summer show with Il Diva. That's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, I
0: really hope it went well. I bet he's sad that England's out of the World Cup. I bet he is gutted. I bet he's also sad that Megan's not out of Love Island yet.
1: I bet he has a lot of strong Love Island feelings.
0: Don't we all? Don't we all? We don't.
1: <sighs> Any other business? I watched a couple of films. I watched Set It Up, which is on Netflix. Yes, and it's just good fun, good old-fashioned rom com starring Tay Diggs of Rent fame. And I also watched a film that came out last year, maybe Battle of the Sexes, with, with Emma, Emma Stone, Stone and Steve Carell. Steve Carell, indeed, about Billie Jean King and all the the sexist All the sexism, stuff, which was also very good. They're both. I would recommend them both. But um, they do have different feels. But Set It Up is just like, if you're looking for that sort of just mindless rom-com, it is there. I've heard rumours they're working on a sequel. And you know what? I'm here for it. (laughs) I am here for it. I found the lead characters to just be very endearing. Lovely. Yeah. Except her Diggs, Oh. Who is a dig. That's a shame. Can't win them all. Oh, no spoilers, but that's fine.
0: I really haven't had time to do anything this week other than... I finished my book, The Fact of a Body, would recommend. I'm now reading Eleanor Elephant. is Completely Fine, enjoying immensely so far. And after that, I'm going to read I'll Be Gone in the Dark, which I'm excited about. So that is it for this week. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week for part two of the 1960s. Bye. Bye.